You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to have you join us online or here in person. My name is Dick. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, something that we're talking about this whole month, which is so important, is really our view of our stuff, our money specifically. And you might think, that's crazy. Why do we talk about that in church? Does the church need more money? No, that's not why we talk about this. It's because it's something that is a stressor for us. Pastor Lance talked about this last week, that, that strapped equals stressed. And uh, oftentimes, one of the biggest stressors that we deal with is money. In fact, God understood that. And that's, uh, as Pastor Lance mentioned last week, that that is a a common theme throughout Scripture is how do we manage the stuff we've been given? Before we jump into God's Word this morning, though, I want to mention one quick thing. Uh, this next year, in February, we have our annual vision meeting. We are going to be voting on some changes to our Constitution and bylaws. This is really exciting stuff. Um, I, I, I know that many of you uh, love reading Constitution bylaws. They are one of the most thrilling things. If you're trying to stay awake at night, read them. And uh, you'll be up all night, I guarantee it. Um, just kidding, being a little sarcastic. But uh, we're going to be uh, changing some things in our Constitution bylaws, most of them grammatical. Uh, but there are some whole sections that we're going to be removing and adding and all of that. And uh, that's going to be in February. We want to make sure that you are well informed and ready to vote on that and that questions you might have can be answered. So this morning as you leave, uh, we have copies of the proposed changes, they're highlighted in yellow, so you can read through this huge document, however many pages, like 20-some pages uh, of our Constitution bylaws. You can read through them, and in November, you'll be hearing more about this, we're going to have a Q&A after Sunday morning service where uh, we can kind of answer some questions, and we're going to do that again in January. So in November and January, we'll be doing a Q&A, and uh, you'll be able to, to process through some of those questions, and we can kind of answer some of the lies behind some of the changes, and, and uh, if you have questions, you know, Outside of that, feel free to reach out. We'd love to be able to answer that, but we want to make sure that you have plenty of time to go through that and process that before we vote on that in February. So uh, if you, as you're on your way out, you'll see some copies. Those in the balcony, you already saw those on your way up, but uh, you'll see some copies of the Constitution Bylaws. Feel free to grab it and peruse it, read through it, mark down any questions, and you can bring those to the Q&A we're going to have after service in November. We'll give you more information as we get closer to that. So that's one thing I just wanted to uh, make you aware of that. Uh, also, on your seat today, there's some notes you can follow along. If you want to follow along, fill in blanks. If you're a fill-in-the-blank type of person, this is your day. You've been waiting for this day. You can fill in the blanks. If you're not a fill-in-the-blank kind of person, disregard that, and you can just sit there and, and watch. Um, but uh, today, uh, as I mentioned, we're in the middle of a series we're calling Making Money Work. We're talking about how do we make the most of everything God has entrusted us with. And uh, we're going to discuss the question today of how do we set healthy boundaries. And I'm not talking about relational boundaries. That's a nice topic. But I'm talking about how do we set good financial guardrails in place that keep us from going off a financial cliff. I don't know if any of you have driven on Route 30 up through Somerset, and you go up some of the mountains there, and there's some like really close edges. As a kid, I remember driving those, and I always get really frightened because I thought, I don't want someone to accidentally, like whoever's driving my dad or my mom, like to just swerve because you're going to go really far down. But we have guardrails in place for that, right, to keep us. Well, we need to set financial guardrails in place. Uh, It sounds like a really easy concept, 
but so few actually do it. And, and, and can I tell you that God is actually concerned about that in your life too? You may think, well, what does God care about my money or where I am financially? He cares about it because it, it matters to you because it affects you. You understand, we lay in bed at night trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills and how we're going to do this and that. Like, if it matters to you, it matters to him. And, and in this story, Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25, we see these three servants. It's a parable, so it's not a, a true story, but it's a parable, which means it's a story Jesus told with a purpose, kind of a, a meaning or, or a lesson he's trying to communicate. And we see these three ser- servants who each were given different uh, amounts of, of, of gold or, or resources. And, and how they each responded uh, is a reflection of how oftentimes we manage what's under our care. And here's, here's what it says in Matthew chapter 25, in verse 14, this story is recorded. And here's what, what Jesus said. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, and listen to this, put his money to work. Can you say that with me? Put his money to work. One more time. Put his money to work. So he put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. See, also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. How cool is that? One took, had five, he gained five more. One had two, he gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, can we say this together? Dug a hole in the ground. He dug a hole in the ground. How many of you love to dig? My six-year-old loves to dig holes in my yard. Uh, I hate it. I just cut the grass yesterday, and I'm tripping in holes in my yard. Uh, he, he, this guy digs a hole in his yard, and he buries the money. Now, at face value, it seems like that guy took the safest route. He buried his money in the ground. How safe is that? Nothing outside of worms is going to affect it. Um, uh, what, what could be safer than burying something in a hole? But, but the question is, is it really, is it possible that the best pro- approach isn't hiding or protecting what we have, but if the, what if the best approach is making the most with what we have? You see, the problem for many of us is money is a means to an immediate end. And we spend it on what makes sense in the immediate, but we miss that money is just another tool that God has given us to fulfill our potential, our purpose, just like our talents or our opportunities or our influence. It's just another tool that God has given us. And the question I have today is what would it look like in our lives if we were willing to take what we've been given and manage it with wisdom, with godly wisdom, rather than based on our wishes? What if we were willing to take what God has entrusted us with, the money in the bank, the money we've worked hard for. What if we were willing to approach it with godly wisdom rather than based on our wishes? That means that we don't just do what's become normal in our world, but we actually take what we've been given and put it to work. Use it in a way that makes the most of every penny we've worked so hard for and that God has willingly entrusted us with. Just think about how your life could be different if you could be purposeful in your spending, with your saving, and how you're investing, imagine how God could use you to be a blessing in this world if money wasn't a point of stress, as Pastor Lance mentioned, but rather an opportunity to be generous. Imagine what life would be different. 
One of the most powerful books on finances in the last few decades is a book that was entitled The Millionaire Next Door. It was written by authors Thomas Stanley and William Danko. It was published in 1996. And, and really the premise of the book is these researchers went to some of the most expensive neighborhoods in the country. And their, their question was, how do wealthy people view money? How do they view budgets? Like, what can we learn from the wealthiest in our country? So they go to some of these high-end neighborhoods in America, and as they started to research, they they were shocked. In in these high-end neighborhoods, people had a lot of stuff, but most of them didn't have a lot of money. And, And the researchers were baffled. They discovered many of the people living in these neighborhoods were what you might call pretenders. They've got the car, the home, the toys, the debt, but they didn't have the money. So, so they went to more middle-class neighborhoods, and this is where they found what they refer to as million, the millionaire next door. It's the average-looking person who has done some very unusual things in today's world by living well beneath their means. It means they, they oftentimes would drive and purchase used cars, they, they wouldn't spend maybe more than $50 on a watch. They would live in the same house for years and simply invest. And, and what these researchers uncovered is that the bulk of the money in most communities is often found in the home of the regular-looking person next door, the one you would least suspect. And sometimes, not always, the big showy homes may have the stuff, but they also have the debt and not a lot of actual money. You see, we found ourselves in a culture today where a lot of people have become really good pretenders. They're living a lifestyle they can't actually afford. And this is what Proverbs 13, 7 cautions against. It says, one person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. The pretender. This is where a lot of people in our world have found themselves. The pretender. They want to have the cool stuff, the big stuff. And yet they're carrying it along with debt. In Proverbs 12, 9, it says, Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Can I tell you, there are so many in our world today that are somebodies and they have no food. They've got the cool car, but they can't even afford a nice meal. They've, they've got the big house, but they can't even afford to go on vacation. Uh, they, they've spent well beyond their means. And, and the question I have is, are, are you pretending today? In our country, we've gotten so good at this. We're living with borrowed money, and while things look nice, beneath the surface, it's, un, it's unraveling. You see, the problem with pretending is we're working with imaginary guardrails that are actually already over the cliff. I don't know if any of you ever watched the cartoons like where the, the, the cartoon figure runs off the cliff and kind of suspends in air for a few seconds before they drop. So many of us are suspending in air right now, and we're just waiting for the bottom to drop. Uh, a pandemic dropped the bottom out of so many because they're going paycheck to paycheck. They're living beyond their means. They're racking up the credit card debt. It's because when we do this, we do this, we're playing with money we don't actually possess. And while we have the stuff, we end up running ourselves into ruin until we can put healthy boundaries in place. Now, how, how many of you have a cat? 
any of you have a cat? A few of you have cats. I know some of you have got 50 cats. We won't let anyone know you're the cat lady. Um, you have cats. If you're watching online, if you have a cat, why don't you post your cat's name or picture, something like that, um, in the comments. You see, if, if you own a cat, you probably already know this. You can't train a cat. Have you ever tried to train a cat? It's the worst. You, you can yell at a cat. You can throw a cat. They always land on four feet. You cannot train a cat. You can't train it. My sister had a cat when we were growing up. That thing was the death of me. I did not like that cat. I had a dog, and they would fight. The cat and dog would fight like my sister and I fought. Um, you can't train a cat. Now, now, how many of you have a dog? We have some dogs in the room. There we go. M- maybe a big manly dog. Some of you have those little frou-frou dogs, you know, the little cute ones that you take to the, get their hair done, put the bows in their hair. Huh. You guys have dogs. Dogs are nice. After all, they're man's best friend, right? We love man's best friend. What's nice about a dog is you can train a dog. You can actually train a dog. See, your dog doesn't have to jump on every person that walks through the door. Your dog doesn't always have to leave a nice present for your neighbors. Because you can train a dog. Dogs can actually do what you want them to do eventually. Now, now much like you can do with a dog... You can train your money. Did you know that? You can train your money. You can make your money behave and actually have control of it. This might be an outrageous idea to you. For for some of you, that thought is so freeing because right now, whenever you take your money out for a walk, it goes wherever it wants to and does whatever it wants to do. But it's time we learn to train our money. It's time we put some clear boundaries in place, some guardrails to our finances. Pastor Lance mentioned this verse last week, but I think it's worth reading again. It's in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It says this, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. If you don't have control of your money or or other areas of your life, you're like a city whose walls are broken down. You're vulnerable. You're exposed. (laughs) Whatever comes along is going to hit you, going to impact you. You end up being like the little kid in Walmart. Maybe you've seen this. Maybe it's your kid. It's probably my kid half the time. Where the little kid's in in Walmart, he's screaming. He or she's screaming. They just want that toy. They want that candy bar. And and, and they're saying, I want it, I want it, I want it. And, And and the mom or dad is saying, no, Johnny. No, no. Well, I want it. And they're screaming, throwing a tantrum. No, 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 Johnny. Be good. It's okay. Don't do it. But I want it now. Okay, Johnny, you can have it. Just, just calm down. Just calm down. And, and little Johnny still lives inside most of us today. Except now little Johnny's not crying for a toy or a candy bar. Little Johnny's crying for a flat screen TV. Little Johnny's crying for a new outfit, new pair of shoes. Little Johnny's crying for a brand new couch. We've got to get control of that little kid inside of us. And and we have to learn to get control of our money. We have to learn to teach little Johnny to keep his mouth closed inside of us. It's time we put boundaries in place. It's time we build some guardrails before we run off the cliff. It's time we take back control of the money that God has entrusted us with. So, so here's the key idea that I want to share with you. I hope you can grasp today in our few moments together. If we can say no 
for a little while. We can say yes for the rest of our lives. If you can say no for a little while, you can say yes for the rest of your life. We get so wrapped up in the immediate, like, but I want this now. I've worked hard for this now. If you can just say no for a little while, if you can just discipline yourself for a little while, you can say yes for the rest of your life. In fact, I want to I practice this. On the count of three, I want you to yell no. Can we do this? Maybe you've been waiting all week for this. You've been wanting to say this to your boss or to your kids or whoever in your life, your neighbor. Quit being so loud or obnoxious. But uh, we're going to say no. If you're watching a line, you can say it. Sit in your living room. If you're in your break room, maybe don't yell it. Just whisper it, okay? That's the last thing you need at work right now. But uh, uh, on the count of three, we're going to yell no. Can we do that? We're going to exercise our vocals a little bit here. So one, two, get ready, three. No! Man, you guys are really good at that. It's like you've practiced. That's really good. That was a very good job. We're going to learn to say no for a little while. It feels great. It's two letters. Put them together. It's an awesome word. We're going to learn to say no for a little while. No to the things that everyone else thinks are necessary, but aren't. There are a lot of things in our lives that we've put in the category of necessary and needs that are actually wants. No, no, we're going we're gonna to be different. Rather than being all about the material things, we're going to choose to live beneath our means. We're going to act our wage, not our wishes. We're going to learn to invest. We're going to pay off debt. We're going to say no for a little while. So for the rest of our lives, we can say yes to whatever God has for us. We can just say no for a little while. Oh, 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 there's a need in the church with a missionary. Man, I, I want to help meet that need because I said no for a little while. I can say yes now. Or, or oh, oh, someone in my family is hurting. Praise God. God has blessed me with the resources because I was diligent to say no for a little while. Or, or oh, oh, we're out of debt now. You know what? I can tithe 20% instead of 10%. Bless the church. Or, or you want a swimming pool now? I said no for a little while. Let's get a swimming pool and a diving board. Let's, let's go over the top. Because we said no for a little while. We can say yes for the rest of our lives. Can, can you think about how much this could change not only your life, but your family? This has the potential to change your life, your future, the lives of everyone in your family. If you've had a loved one pass away with debt, you understand the burden that compounds when you're dealing with grief of losing a loved one, plus the lingering financial issues that have been left behind. You have the opportunity to change that story for your life, for your family. It's so freeing to go get away from loving the things of this world and honoring God with the resources he's entrusted you with. Then one day, you get to say yes. I'll tell you honestly, personally, Heidi and I today are able to say yes to things that nine years ago when we first got married would have never been possible because we've been diligent to get rid of the burden of debt. It's not about being rich. It's not about getting more money. It's not about getting a higher salary. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with what you're saying no to. Say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. It's about discipline, discipline, discipline. And, and here's a little helpful hint that, that can help you with that, that, the discipline of spending. Pray before you pay. Pray before you pay. Before you go spending money on something, take time to pray about it. I'll give you an example. Imagine you walk into Target here. And as you walk in, you're walking down the aisle and on the end cap right there. 
you see this beautiful, amazing popcorn maker. And it's only $39.95. And you're like, look at what the Lord has provided. I've always dreamed of having a shiny new popcorn maker. It's going to make my life so much better. And on top of that, I could get a Target card and get a little, save a little bit of money. This is like God has ordained this moment. The sun is shining on that popcorn maker, and you're like, this is it. I've met my, my, my match. I've, this is going to make my day and my week. Here's what I want you to do. Put the popcorn maker down, slowly back away, and no one will get hurt. Take three days and pray about it. Pray about it. If you still have the, the desire and the impulse to purchase it, and you think that's going to be a wise choice, go ahead, go back and buy it. Take three days and pray about it. If, if it's an expense that's under $100, take three days, pray about it. Not, not three days and wait, but like literally ask God, God, would this be honoring to you? Should I purchase this? If it's under 100 bucks, pray about it. Pray about it. Now, now if, if it's $100 to $1,000, maybe, maybe you've got like Apple Watch fever and you have to buy that Apple Watch. You can't be a devoted follower of Jesus without an Apple Watch. It's impossible. It's like one of the discipleship points, right? Um, wait a whole week. If it's between $100 and $1,000, wait a week. Pray about it. Guys, this is our category. This is where we all oftentimes get ourselves in trouble. Like, we have to have the flat screen for Steelers season. We can't do it without it. I'm tired of watching the Steelers on a 40-inch. I need a 70-inch. It's just better. It makes it feel like I'm really there. And, and we justify, well, it's cheaper than buying season tickets. So, you know, we work ourselves out. This is a dangerous place. Take a week. If there's an expense between $100 and $1,000, take a week, pray about it, process it. And if you feel like it's honoring to God after that week and you can afford it, go for it. And then if something's over $1,000, commit to wait and pray for an entire month. Wait and pray. Cool off a little bit. Don't give in to every impulse. Put guardrails in place to keep you in a safe place, safe space. You, you, you want to make the most of your money, ultimately not spend it frivolously. Take time to pray about it. Because like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. What's this about? It's about self-control. It's about making the most of what God has entrusted you with. Just like that parable in Matthew 25, that the master entrusted those servants with resources. God has entrusted you with resources. Get control of your money. Make it behave. Make it work for you, not against you. That's what God intended it. This is what those first two servants did in that parable in Matthew 25. They controlled the resources that were given to them rather than letting the resources control them. The third servant, he allowed the fear of those resources to control him, and he buried them. In turn, he lost what he had. When we let resources control us, we end up losing it. Listen to what Proverbs 21.5 says. It says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. God wants not for all of us to be rich and wealthy in, in a human sense. God, God didn't promise us that we're all going to be prosperous. He didn't promise us that we all are going to, you know, fly really cool corporate jets and we're going to drive the nicest cars. We're going to have all the gold jewelry we ever wanted and have the biggest house. And if we just say it, it's going to happen. God never promised any of that. I could give you story after story after story of, of people who are following Jesus, committed to Jesus, 
And from the outward perspective, it looks like they are living in poverty. See, it's not, it's not about having all the stuff. It's about being diligent and making the most with what God has entrusted you with. That's what is Christ followers. That's why we seek God, develop a plan so that we can make the most of what's been entrusted to us. And, and, and this plan needs to include three things. We're going to go through this on, on your little card you've got today. Three things. If you like fill in the blanks, this is your chance. This is your moment. You're born for this moment. Ready? Number one, we're going to build an oh no fund. An oh no fund. Like things are going to happen. Emergencies are going to happen. Guaranteed. That's not to be pessimistic. Your, your kid's going to throw a, a baseball through a window. Your car is going to break down. You, 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 something is going to happen. You need to have an oh no fund. This is $1,000 you put aside for emergencies because things are going to break. And you shouldn't have to borrow to fix them. And, and you might ask, where in the world am I coming up with 1000 bucks? Is that just like drop from heaven? No, no, no. We're going to get creative. You've got to get creative. This is where you have to, to work at it. Sell something. Maybe it's your old baseball cards. Maybe it's that jewelry you never wear. Sell anything but your children. Don't do that. Sell something. You can do a yard sale, whatever it looks like. Sell, get $1,000. If you have to eat ramen noodles, clip coupons, take a second job, whatever it is, you can do it. $1,000 in the emergency fund. Just one fund, your oh no fund. Goal number one is to get $1,000 in that emergency fund. Goal number two, second thing, if you're taking notes, is to eliminate overhead. Eliminate overhead. So what are we going to do? We're going to reduce debt. We want to, to, to back, back off our debt. And what I want to show you is one of the most important things you could ever learn about personal finances. Dave Ramsey refers to this as the debt snowball. Some of you who've gone through Financial Peace University here may have learned this before, but <clears throat> the debt snowball you look at the bottom of your notes there, uh, we're going to look at this. So the bottom of your notes, the first column is a list of different places, people that you owe money to in this hypothetical story. Second column is the total amount that is due or owed. And the third one is the minimum payments to each of those. Minimum payments. So here's what you're going to do. What you're going to do is you're going to uh, find $200 a month in your budget. Man, Nick, where are you coming up with this stuff? Remember we talked about living beneath our means. You're going to carve something out. Maybe it's, you're not buying that drink from uh, Starbucks or wherever any, every, anymore. You're, you're going to brown bag your lunch instead of going out to eat every day. Maybe, maybe for you it's cutting back on cable or your, your, your cell phone plan. $200 a month. This is, remember, you have to say no for a little while so you can say yes the rest of your life. This is what you're saying no to. $200 a month. Carve it out of your, your monthly budget. 200 bucks a month. This, this could change everything. Here's how this plays out. Start with Macy's. So Macy's, you owe $450. The minimum payment is $50. What you're going to do is take that $200 and you're going to put it on top of that $50 and then keep paying minimum payments and everything else. Within a couple months, a few months, that's paid off. Macy's is gone. Now you're going to take that $250 you're going to roll it into your JCPenney payment, which is $30. So now it's $280. You see the snowball starts to build. So now you're paying $280. You've already paid off Macy's. You've said goodbye to Macy's, never to say hello to them again. And now JCPenney is coming. You're paying that off. In a few months, you paid JCPenney off. Now you take that $280. 
you roll it into the next one. Your parents. You owe your parents 1600 bucks. God bless them. They loaned you $600, $1,600. They believe in you. They believe in your future. Uh, and whatever it was, they loaned you 1600 bucks. Now you take the 280, you roll it into that minimum payment of 200. Now it's 480. And then you're just chunking that away. And, and you work your way down through that list. And what you're doing is you're rolling, you're snowballing your payments all the way down. After a while, you're going to pay it all off. Here, here's where it's really cool. This is where it gets really, really exciting. If you pay just the minimum payments on all of those, do you know how long it would take you to pay everything off? It would take 120 months. It's 10 years. You'd pay off that cool couch you bought at JCPenney or that, you know, big clothing spur, uh, the big clothing spend you, you did at Macy's or whatever it was or whatever you borrowed $600 from your parents. You'd pay all, it'd take 10 years. You probably wouldn't even have the couch anymore. Probably already, your dog trashed it. If you have a cat, your da- cat definitely trashed it because they're really good at that. Um, 10 years. Now, if you take this debt snowball approach, you know how long it would take to pay off your debt, the same amount of debt? Compared to 120 months, it would take you 21 months. That's 99 months less. Think about that. Debt-free, minus your house, 99 months. Now, here's where it's really exciting. If you took the $1,110, where did you get that? That's the money you've been paying on all these payments. That's all of it combined. So you've paid it all off. You have $1,110 every month. If you took that same amount of money and started to invest it, maybe you got 5% return. 5%. You get 5% return in the same amount of time, the 99 months that you would have been paying, but you, start, you keep paying $1,110 because you're saying no for a little while, right? And you're, you're continuing to do it. After 99 months, you would have over $130,000 sitting there waiting. That's a, that's, a, that's a small house in this area. That's saying no for a little while so you can say yes the rest of your life. Number one, build that oh no fund. Number two, thought number two, eliminate overhead. And as you've done that, you can get to number three here. Number three, if you're taking notes, build a reserve fund. Build a reserve, what's, what's that? That's three months of your living expenses. Three months. I know pandemic is like a year. We can't, you can't fully prepare for a pandemic, right? Three months of living expenses. As soon as you pay everything off, once you build up, you, you start to build up your reserve fund of three months of living expenses. If it costs you $2,000 a month to live, save up 6000 If it costs you 4000 save up 12000 You put it in a money market fund and don't even look at it. Ignore it. Put it there and let it go. Then you start attacking your house payment, giving big time, multiplying the resources God has put under your care, which we're going to talk about more in coming weeks. Because the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Have a plan and work the plan. And I hope you can see the power of this, that if you say no to the things that most people say yes to for a little while, you can say yes for the rest of your life. In your golden years, you can look back and say, man, now I can do whatever. Money isn't a question. You, you can do it. We can all do this. It's just a little bit of work. You can have all of your debt paid off. Isn't that amazing? 
If you get crazy and you get after it, you can actually be free. I could share story after story after story of people in this church that have done this, myself included, and have gotten to the point where they could be debt-free. They're not, they're not carrying the burden of debt any longer. You see, this isn't simply a matter of practice. This is ultimately a matter of the heart. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said something really powerful. And I want to say we can all read this together. Can we read this together? It should be on the screen here in a second. Matthew 6, 24. Can we read this together? Here's what it says. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I want to say that last sentence again. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't do them both. You can't serve them both. We serve God. We don't serve money. We are not of this world. We are not driven by this world. We have a higher calling and a higher purpose. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy some things of this world, but ultimately it doesn't have a hold on us. Having money is not bad. In many cases, it's very, very good. But to be broke is not necessarily to be spiritual. Just like having a lot of money doesn't mean you're unspiritual. Money is neutral. It's just a tool. It is the love of money that is dangerous when money has our hearts. We don't love money. We don't serve money. We serve God. We love God. Money should serve us and God's purposes. So, so, so here's what money does. Money should serve us. Money should behave. Money should do what we say. It does what we tell it to do. We use money. We buy time with money. We have options with money. We can use money to bless others. We can use it to bless our family. We can enjoy it. We can give it away and be generous. Ultimately, it should be under our control. And you can get there. We can all get there. Because we don't serve money. We ultimately serve God. And if we can say no for a little while, you can say yes for the rest of your life. This, this might be a crazy thing to talk about in church. You're like, I didn't come to church for some money seminar. I, I, I hope you hear my heart in this. This isn't about a money seminar. This is about addressing something that oftentimes is under the radar, but is boiling up inside that we don't address. The Bible talks a lot about it. Jesus talks a lot about it, but we don't. And God wants to be able to have the hard conversations with us. Here at Calvary, we want to be able to have the hard conversations sometimes. Because your future, your potential, God's purpose for you is worth the hard conversation. Your future is worth being able to make the sacrifices so that you can be in a place to make a difference. God wants to use you, whether you have a lot of resources or few. He wants to use you to make an impact on this world. You can't make an impact when you don't have control of the very thing he's entrusted you with. When someone else is driving the car, you have no control where it's going. God wants us to take control back so we can get in a place. If we say no for a little while, we can say yes the rest of our life and we can be in the driver's seat again. We can be entrusted once again with what God has given to us. Before we go this morning, I want to pray. What, what we're talking about is an incredibly spiritual idea. And, and we talked about the importance of discipline. 
It's not just a physical discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a matter of our heart. I want to pray that God would give you the courage, the boldness to say no. To say no for a little while. That all of your friends, your neighbors, everyone in your workplace, everyone, they're all saying yes to something. And you're going to say no. Because you want to say yes the rest of your life. Because you're not living with a framework like the rest of the world is. You're a follower of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, our priorities are different. We view the world differently. We have a different worldview, a different lens that we look at things through. And I want to pray that God would give you courage to say no, to be diligent. The, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. The, the, the plans that are in haste lead to poverty. God wants to lead you in diligent plans to be disciplined. This is a conversation if you're married, have with your spouse. If, you're, if you have kids, have it as a family. These are incredible principles that we should be entrusting, teaching our children. It's not, it's not about good financial practice. It's about biblical principles that God wants to use so that you can be a greater blessing in this world, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, wherever it might be, at church. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you care about every aspect of our life, not just the things that seem religious or spiritual, but you care about every part of our lives. God, I pray you will help us to be diligent, disciplined. God, that you would help us take what you've entrusted us with, money that we've worked really hard for, that we could make the most of every money, that we could make money work for your purposes in our life. God, help us learn to say no. Give us the courage and the boldness to say no. Holy Spirit, work in us. God, I pray for the conversations that will happen this week with spouses and family members where decisions might be made, where things might be shut down or, or discontinued, or, or financial decisions that maybe have, have, have robbed us of the future are made to reverse them. I pray you would help us, Lord, have grace and wisdom. Let us make decisions based on that godly wisdom, not on our wishes. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Lord, I thank you that you care so much about us in, our, in this world, that you want to use us to be stewards of something that can help make a difference in our world, that can transform this world. God, bless us so that we can be a blessing in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 